Blog Talk Radio. Hey everybody, it's your girl Cy Brown, and today we are talking politics for the full hour. There is so much stuff going on politically. We've got Chrysler, well, I don't know, are they going into bankruptcy? I'm not even sure. Um, we're also looking at will, will the bank CEOs um, be the next to go because the CEO of Chrysler was asked to step down. We're going to talk a little bit about North Korea today, and we're also going to talk a little bit about all these failing newspapers. This is getting kind of scary where newspapers are are just falling by the wayside, and I, you know, was like, well, who reads newspapers anyway? Da-da-da-da-da-da-da. But you know what? It, it, I think about people like my grandmother, who's 88 years old. She'll be 88 years old. And she gets the newspaper delivered every single day. And then I thought about, uh, it's a little selfish of me to think nobody reads the newspapers, but then I thought about um, all the school programs. Think about all the school programs that have the newspapers delivered or, you know, the kids read newspapers. I was like, oh, well, who's going to read a newspaper? Just go online and do it. But then, you know, I guess that was Cy being just a smidgen selfish. Um so, yeah, people do read newspapers, and there is a place for newspapers. So, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about the newspapers failing and, you know, just a whole bunch of other stuff uh, today. I've got some wonderful, wonderful news to share with you. Today is my 15th wedding anniversary. I'm so excited. I'm so psyched that I have been married for 15 years today. It's it's cool. You know, I put it up on Facebook and I blogged about it. It's just pretty cool to be married for 15 years. That's And we've been together. Uh, May will be 20 years. <laughs> I can't even, uh, I can't even remember back that long. And it, it just makes me realize my own mortality. Like, where did 20 years go so quickly? But it's, it's, it's all good. I'm very happily married. And, uh, Last night we took our children to a New Jersey Nets game. Big shout-out to my buddy Erica Jones. She's actually been with me on the show once before. But a big shout-out to her because um, she was gracious enough to help me get some much-sought-after tickets. And we had floor seats at the Nets game. Can you even imagine that? We were right there. I took a lot of pictures, and a lot of the pictures are up on my blog. So visit com, and you'll see great pictures of us, of my entire family at the Nets game last night. We had a great time. Uh, and, you know, some just fun pictures of my, my children and us hanging out. So on that note, uh, let's get ready to do this show called Politics Remix. Right, everybody? That's what we're here for, and that's what we do on Tuesdays. It's your girl, Cy Brown, right here for LifeRemixedRadio.com. As we as proceed, we proceed oh. to give you what to you need. What you the one boy, a.k.a. DJ Rabbit, representing Rabbit Productions, hanging out chilling with my girl, Cy Buggy. That's right, Cy Brown on politicsremix.com. Say word. All right, let's jump right into this whole Chrysler, uh, I don't know what to call it. 
Chrysler, you have to be real careful. I don't even know what to call what's going on with Chrysler. Um, but let's talk about right now the um, General Motors ouster and bankruptcy warning and how it's affecting the banks and Wall Street. First of all, you know, we always have to speak from a position of strength. So we're going to start with the premise of what's, what's going on with this whole General Motors thing. As, as you may or may not know, Sunday evening, President Obama encouraged, um, I won't say mandated because I can't say that for sure, but issued a stern um, plea is probably better, appropriate, more appropriate um, thing, statement, that the CEO, the chief executive of General Motors has to go. Now, a lot of Republicans are very angered by the removal of General Motors' Richard Wagner. He has been with General Motors for many, 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 many years. And a lot of people feel that the government has no place terminating, quasi, no, not even quasi, terminating the chief executive of a privately run company. And what happens is this opens up the door for us to explore the viability of the United States government running private industry. Most of these, well, not most, these corporations have boards. And what happens is it seems as though the president has, he overrided anything that the board would say by mandating that Wagner needed to be ousted. So if we're looking at, at it from that perspective, why, in fact, are we overriding what the board wanted? Now, we can only make the assumption that the board did not want Richard Wagner out because they didn't mandate his departure. So I'm just going to read a clip um, that, is, that was posted on the Washington Post, and it's entitled, Hard Line on Auto Aid Puts Bailed Out Firms on Notice. And this is uh, March 30th, which was yesterday. After ousting General Motors chief executive, President Obama warned Monday that bankruptcy may be unavoidable for two American automotive giants. The administration's display of authority sent United States stocks tumbling and raised questions about whether the government would take similar steps against top executives at U.S. banks that are also receiving government bailout funds. I'm going to talk about the bank CEOs in a moment after we finish this, this segment. The administration told General Motors and Chrysler that they had failed to come up with restructuring plans that justify the billions of dollars in additional taxpayer funds they are requesting. General Motors was ordered to devise a new plan while Chrysler was instructed to reach a deal with Fiat in which the Italian car maker would take in Chrysler. I don't know how viable Chrysler, I mean, uh, Fiat is, but, you know, overseas it's doing okay. Obama said that if they failed to achieve those goals, General Motors and Chrysler might need to use bankruptcy as a, quote, mechanism to help them restructure quickly and emerge stronger, end quote. Such a move would wipe out the mountain of debt weighing down the companies. The administration's decision to oust G. Richard Wagner, Jr., sharply ratchets up its control over companies receiving government assistance in the face of criticism about a lack of accountability over billions of taxpayer dollars. The government demanded Wagner's departure, even though it does not own a stake in the automaker. 
The three companies the government does control, American International Group, Freddie Mac, and Fannie Mae, were required to replace their chief executives. The government has not, however, required any banks in which it took smaller stakes to replace its top executives. It did pressure Citigroup to replace several members of its board of directors. Now that the president's aggressive move against General Motors have left some banking executives wondering whether they're next in line. Is there a heightened risk for the Obama administration to remove a banking executive, asked Scott Talbot, chief lobbyist for Financial Services Roundtable. I think you'd have to conclude that the answer is yes. Banking executives in analysis said Monday that if the administration were to replace a bank chief executive, it would likely be someone from an institution that has received large amounts of federal money. The government is currently stress testing the nation's 20 largest banks and maybe three fail the test, said an executive at a large bank receiving government funds. Obama could, quote, remove the heads of those banks, the executive said, but the executive who spoke on the condition of anonymity because of the sensitivity of the matter said he was not as concerned about the ousting of GM's chief executive Wagner as they were about as they were about legislation passed by the House of Representatives this month to tax Wall Street bonuses, including those of non-executives, by 90%. He has to do something dramatic. He's had plenty of cause on this one, the executive said, adding that the outlook for GM was extremely grim. Stocks plunged as investors worried that bankruptcy would undermine consumer confidence while further cutting production and raising unemployment. The Dow Jones Industrial Average fell 3.3% to 7.522.02, and all of its 30 blue-chip stocks declined, with General Motors shedding a quarter of its value. Chrysler, which is owned by private equity firm Cerubis Capital Management, it is not publicly traded. The Standard & Poor's 500 stock index, a broader measure, slid 3.5% to 787.53. The NASDAQ stock market declined 2.8% to 1501.80. Hmm. These are a lot of numbers. We'll, we'll digest some of these numbers in a moment. Bert Eli, the banking industry analyst in Alexandria, said the administration will likely exercise its powers in only a limited number of cases, if at all. Even banks that receive reje repeated injections of government funds, analysts said, appear to be making some progress, and more importantly, are showing more willingness to respond to new economic realities than the automakers were. I think in that, that what I just read can be found on the WashingtonPost.com, so you all know where I'm reading from. Uh, let me see. We just got it. Just got a note in the chat room. Listening and not in chat. Oh, it's okay. True. I see you. Okay, it's all good. Thank you for listening, though. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, just real quick, if you notice, the show is shortened today. Today's my wedding anniversary. I've been married 15 years, so <laughs> I'm doing a shorter show today because I'm hanging out with hubby today. Um, so uh, that's that's enough on that. <laughs> So in case um, anyone was wondering what I was just reading from, I was just reading from the Washington Post, so you know the source of the information that I provide to you on a daily basis. But I think we have to look at it from two perspectives. Number one, there is a key difference between General Motors and Chrysler and the large banks going forward. The two companies have major questions about their profitability. I don't think... This is, this is purely my opinion. I don't know, and I'm in the market for a car, actually. I'm, I, we've been looking for a car for a couple of months now because they're almost too cheap not to buy one. But I don't know if I would comfortably buy a car if the 
company was in bankruptcy because you have warranty issues, you have all of these other other things that go along with the car, the warranty, the servicing. I mean, servicing, you could probably go to Pet Boys or something like that. But I think it just speaks to the larger challenge about the auto industry. Now, it was no secret that I was very much against any type of bailout for the auto industry, any type of bailout at all. I said, let them, you know, like Marie Antoinette, let them eat cake. I said, let them fall, because what's happened is they did not exercise good judgment in keeping their companies rele- relevant, and they didn't, there, are a lot, there are a lot of deficiencies and, and deficits that took place while these companies were being run, and now they get into a bind, and they're relying heavily on taxpayer money to stay afloat. Now, if we look at what's going on with Chrysler, the whole concept between the automakers and Wall Street are so intricately intertwined, it's very, very scary. Because after the mention, just the, the, the thought of bankruptcy yesterday, stocks fell sharply as turmoil in the auto industry and depleted hope for financial and economic stability eroded. It eroded much of, of much of the gains that have been made in March. And, when, and over the weekend when the Obama administration forced out chief executive of General Motors, everybody's looking and wondering about the viability of even their ability or the viability of a company if, in fact, they're able to restructure. And we're looking at bankruptcy right now. We're looking at all of these options, but I really don't know if General Motors has much of a chance. I think restructuring, and I believe restructuring should have taken place before we started doling out all of those millions of dollars a few months ago. And when you look at the fact that these are the same individuals that flew in private jets to, the congr- to, their, to their congressional hearing, it flies in the face of democracy and respect of the American people that they should at least even have a little, you know, come with hat in hand. Make me feel good. Don't make me feel like such a slob that is giving you tax money for no reason. But I guess, you know, that's not really um, that important until now you're looking at the fact that your company may just kind of go under. I want to kind of switch gears just a little bit to this whole Bank of America situation because I still want to get to North Korea and our failing newspapers before we run out of time today. Thank you for listening. I see we have a guest in the chat room. Thank you very much. Um, We're talking politics for the full show today, so thank you very much for joining us. Um, When you look at what happened with Wagner, and we were just talking how Wagner is uh, is the ousted ch- uh, chief executive of General Motors, we have to wonder if it actually puts the Bank of America CEO in the hot seat. The, the CEO of Bank of America, his name is Lewis. His name is Kenneth Lewis, and he may be the next corporate boss to feel the heat after the administration forced uh, Wagner to resign. I still, I'm going to do a little bit more research, and hopefully I'll have some answers for you all um, by, the, you know, by the end of the week or definitely if we pick this up again next Tuesday because we talk politics every Tuesday on the show. But I'm looking at this because when, at what point does the government not intervene and start terminating these chief executives? Is it something that they're just trying to humor us and pacify us and say, look, America, we're on our job. We fired the chief executive. Do you, do you all realize how much money these executives are paid to just go away? 
So he's not leaving with no parting gifts, any of them, Wagner or Lewis, if they force him out. If he does go, I'm sure he's going to get a nice parting gift. Maybe it will have to be done under a different guise of um, a golden parachute because Americans are fed up with that. But I just think we're sliding down a very slippery slope if we're allowing the Obama administration to start ousting CEOs, and in the case of General Motors, we don't even own a stake in General Motors. Um, Extra Effort Forum just put something in the chat room. Let me read this very quickly so everybody can follow along. Ken Lewis is in the hot seat with his board. He may be asked to go at the next board meeting. Stay tuned. Yeah, he may be because Bank of America is doing some pretty shisty stuff right now. Um, this Bank of America, I don't know if you know, it's the second largest bank, and they, they uh, Drew says, can I get a parting gift? No, you can't get a parting gift because you're not going anywhere. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if you're aware, but Bank of America is the second largest U.S. bank um, the, the second largest United States bank has received $45 billion from the government. Can you imagine $45 billion making it one of the biggest recipients of government bailout money in the banking system? And here's where my cynicism comes in. Remember, for, for all of you that have been listening to Life Remix Radio, I said on election day that I was trading in my cynicism for hope and possibility. But when you look at a situation such as this with Lewis, why, if they're the biggest recipient, let's follow the numbers here, they're the biggest recipient of government bailout money to the tune of $45 billion, does he even still have a job? He still has a job when, in fact, uh, Wagner from General Motors didn't, didn't have any money from the government, and we own no, well, very little stake in them, and then the Obama administration terminates him over the weekend. This, this doesn't smell too good. This doesn't pass the smell test. Um, True View Radio put in the chat room, Bank of America claims they are, they are making profits per CNN, and they're not in trouble. Well, I don't know. You know, I don't know about that. We, we got to see. Um, but anyway, the big shareholders have been calling for Lewis to step down since Bank of America announced in January that it took a $20 billion government bailout to secure the, the troubled acquisition, um, to secure the acquisition of troubled Merrill Lynch. And Merrill Lynch, I don't know if you remember, I, I've been documenting for all these months how much money those companies lost, like Lehman Brothers, Merrill Lynch, Goldman Sachs. Merrill Lynch, and this is according, according to Reuters, lost almost $16 billion in the last quarter of 2008. That's bananas. And now the government is saying that they may now add pressures from shareholders. Now, let's, let's rewind the tape. <laughs> let's, let's rewind the tape a little bit. It's, the bank itself is disagreeing with the assessment of the government. What happens now? They've received all this money. CNN and other publications are reporting that the bank is healthy, but yet the government is saying we may want Lewis out. This is what happens, I think, when we dive into these situations head first. And a lot of people were saying that we have to really be mindful, action needs to be taken quickly, and it needs to be swift. But this is what happens when we don't do our due diligence. And I don't know if you saw President Obama's press conference last week where uh, he was asked by an analyst, uh, you know, what took so many days for him to give a response. And he 
gave a quick retort and said, because I want to know what I'm talking about. And I was like, yes, you rock. Because too many times, our, you know, in our 24-hour news cycle, in the short cycle, in the short attention span of Americans, we want instant answers. We want instant gratification. We want news right now. And you know what? I'm happy. I'm ecstatic that President Obama said, you guys are going to have to wait. You're going to have to chill a minute because I'm not giving you that information. I need, to, I need to look at this information. I need to assess it, and I need to know what's going on before I open my mouth. Um, before we start to wind down, uh, I just that actually is a very good segue into just the next piece of information that I would like to share with you. Um, I wanted to get into North Korea, but I'll save that for next Tuesday's show. Um, and, and tomorrow, tomorrow's April 1st. I have a great show planned for us tomorrow. And Thursday, Dewan Colion will be back doing a live Bible study. The last two weeks have been recorded because he, he was having um, – he had to work. He couldn't take his lunch at the time of the show. But Thursday he will be back doing a live Bible study, so that's cool. But anyway, um, let me just go back. We were talking about President Obama saying, you know what, I need my information first. But because we live in a 24-hour news cycle and we want our information so quickly, um, it's forcing newspapers to go out of business. Why would I wait and read a newspaper when I can go online, go on my BlackBerry, and have the information instantly? Uh, Oh, I was just reading in the chat room, uh, Extra Effort Forum, put that was a great moment for the president. It sure was, and I was cheering uh, when he said that because I was like, good, put him in their place. But anyway, let's, let's touch on this, this whole situation of uh, newspapers. You all know I'm in New York City, and my office, before I moved out of it last year, looked right at the New York Times building that they just built. It's right on 8th Avenue between 40th and 41st Street, and I was on 39th and 8th, so it was a half a block from my office. They're now leasing 21 floors of that building, which originally they were going to use because they're strapped for cash. They're really, really strapped for cash. So now I'm finding out that the Chicago Sun-Times Media Group, it has officially filed for bankruptcy protection, and that's as of 1046 this morning. So as of 1046 this morning, just uh, under two hours ago, one of the nation's largest papers, the Chicago Sun-Times, filed for bankruptcy protection. I think it just speaks to what's going on in our economy, um, what's going on with people, you know, with people in general. People just, I guess, don't read newspapers. But Actually, I shouldn't even say that. If I can just put that back in my mouth, people do read newspapers. What's happening is the advertising revenue is down. So because the advertising revenue is down, they're using the excuse of people not reading newspapers because actually it's a very small slice of the population that's really, really into technology and really, really into gadgets. There's still a lot of people that pick up their paper, read it on the bus, read it on the train, read it on their way to work, read it with their morning coffee. The, the people that listen to this show and the people that buy my books through Kindle on Amazon.com, we're the ones that are so technologically savvy that we, we're very indifferent as it relates to newspapers failing or newspapers going under, but it really speaks to the fact that advertising revenue is down. And because they don't want to look like their business model is failing, they're saying that readership is down, which really is not the case. What I think they need to do, and, you know, here's, here's my solution. As we wind down today's show, here's my absolute solution to this whole newspaper fiasco. 
do the same thing with with newspaper websites as iTunes did for music. If you want to subscribe to the New York Times or something like that, you pay 99 cents and it allows you 24-hour access to NewYorkTimes.com or the daily 50 cents. The same price of a paper, you put it in, put your credit card, you now can read the paper online. And I think what that would better able them to do is have their salespeople be able to cross-sell advertising online and through regular newsstand prices. So that's really my, my take on how they can actually fix this or remedy this because if you package your advertising and make it more appealing, advertisers are looking at advertising online first and then just use your print pub as a bonus. But the beauty is you're making the, the revenue up, the difference of revenue that would be lost, you're making it up in these subscriptions. I would pay a dollar a day to read the NewYorkTimes.com right online. And right now it's totally free. So I don't know what model they're going after, if they think advertising can sustain it. Just by the premise of using advertising revenue to sustain it totally doesn't make sense to me because if advertising revenue is down, there's no other source of income. And I think just as people, we've all come to learn the very hard way that you have to have multiple streams of income. You must have multiple streams of income. So for newspapers to rely so heavily on advertising, um, as their as their primary source of income, just to me seems like a very antiquated business model. And if in fact that's the case, they probably need to fail too. I mean, I know that probably doesn't sound, you know, the best, but you know what? It is what it is. Um, so today, just let me do a quick wrap up of today's show. We talked about Chrysler. We talked about if Bank of America CEO Lewis is going to be the next to go. I didn't get to North Korea. And uh, we talked very briefly about the failing newspapers. I see Spirit of Success joined us. Thank you so much for joining us. Today is a short show because it's my 15-year wedding anniversary, and I'm hanging out with my husband today. So, but I couldn't cancel the show. You know I would never do that. I try not to ever, ever do that. So thank you all for listening. And just remember that we shall pass through this world but once. Any good, therefore, that we can do or any kindness that we can show to any human being, let us do it now. Let us not defer or neglect it, for we shall not pass this way again. I'll see you all tomorrow at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. It's your girl, Cy Brown, right here for LifeRemixRadio.com. As we as proceed, we proceed oh. to give you what you, you need. need. This is the one boy, a.k.a. DJ Rabbit, representing Rabbit Productions, hanging out chilling with my girl, Side Buggy. That's right, Side Brown on politicsremix.com. Say word.